Welcome to the Construction Pals Podcast, brought to you by Blue Tape, your source for the latest in the construction world. Hard hats off, headphones on, and let's get started. And I'm your host, Rick Butler from Blue Tape. In today's episode, we're talking with Mr. R.C. Hand, a plasterer by trade who spent 48 years in the construction industry. Welcome to the podcast, R.C. Thank you, Rick. Yeah, man. Absolutely. 48 years, man. Um, that's longer than most folks that are probably listening have been on the uh, on the earth. Uh so uh, tell me where you, let's, let's, before we even get into that, uh, tell me where you are. Tell me a little bit about family, wife, dog, kids, uh, just uh, where are you sitting right now, man? I'm in my uh, home office in my little condo in Huntington Beach, California. I live in a small craft harbor with the uh, sailboats and yachts in my backyard. And I'm across the street from the Pacific Ocean, just uh, 10 miles south of uh, Long Beach. Wow. So that could be a goal. If, if, if other people stay in this business for 48 years, they might get to be able to rest and relax at a, in a Huntington beach like that. So, um, so tell me where, where, where did all the labor, where did all the hard work, where did all the sweat start and take place to get eventually to where you are now, man? Well, my father was a plasterer and, uh, when his job at Disneyland finished, when they built Disneyland, he was in the Lathers Union, and he saw the end of that job coming, and he went out to freelance and started a little plastering business. And after the war, he plastered track housing and traveled through California from San Diego up to uh, San Francisco, lathing and plastering houses, and uh, ended up doing Disneyland and then decided to do something on his own. He went to a polytechnic high school, so I guess they taught him some trades there. And uh, his brothers, he had uh, seven brothers and seven sisters, so they didn't have a lot of money. So they they built their parents' house for them. They had to uh, learn these things by necessity. And I went to work with him when I was six, eight, ten years old. I would go with him on the weekends and watch him and help him do things. And when I graduated high school at eighteen. I went to work for him for 10 years full time while I went to college at night and he retired when I was 28 and I took over the business. Now let's, let's level set on something. Disneyland is the Disney in Pasadena or Anaheim, which one Anaheim. is it? Anaheim and Anaheim. Anaheim so we're not, we're not talking Orlando. And uh, about what year was that, that uh, he saw that coming to completion and then him starting out on his own year. Give me a, I think they I think they ended in in 54. Okay. So I think they ended in 54 and uh, he went to plaster a a vacant restaurant and he took over the lease on that restaurant and we ran that operation for 10 years and in the lean times he would start up his plastering business and go out and make real cash to keep the restaurant afloat. Wow. Wow. Well, that's a job and a career all in itself. I don't know if I'd start out in a restaurant business. That's hard work, man. Um, it's the toughest, one of the toughest ones there are. Oh my gosh. So you joined uh, the fray when you were literally six years old and started following them around and going to the sites? Yes. And we also, he repaired our vehicles also. So if the truck needed a new transmission, he'd put the transmission in or 
you know, do whatever the vehicles needed. So he was not afraid to tackle those things. And uh, he apparently, more than I, he enjoyed a challenge. I like things to be fairly easy through life. Uh, you know, obviously, not completely being a plaster is not an easy job, but it keeps you fit. But my father was a very clever fellow, and I learned a great deal from him. Yeah. And you, and so let's speed up time. Uh, you were 28 when he just retired and you took over the business full time. That's right. Okay. So that puts us somewhere where in the seventies, late seventies. Uh, I, I was 18 in 1970. So it'd be 1980. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm bad with math. Okay. So about 1980 and, uh, you know, still in 1980, we don't have even, a a scintilla of the same technologies, what were some of the hardest things that you had to overcome just taking it over? Well, I was so fortunate to have grown up in that environment of being self-employed. I actually helped develop his book on uh, accounts receivable and keeping track of uh, outstanding invoices and so forth. So that was uh, easy for me to do. And I watched him answer the phone and and make calls. And I went with him on jobs and bid, bidding jobs and so forth. So I grew up in that environment. And it was really quite natural for me. And uh, a lot of the clients that when he retired, a lot of those clients were still middle-aged or so forth. And so I continued working for those people uh, throughout my whole working career. I have people that were my clients that are still alive that I worked for for over 40 years. And our specialty was small repair in the uh, rental uh, housing industry. So our jobs on average lasted or took 55 minutes to complete from beginning to finish, to, from beginning to end. And my father actually created a material that we used before it was available in uh, your home, home building stores so that we could uh, do a fast setting plaster and get the job done quicker rather than doing it in two or three applications and making a small job uh, last three days, we would do it in 55 minutes, and which makes it cheaper and more, more efficient for all parties concerned. Wow. 54 minutes. So, so like, let's just say I'm an, I'm a real estate investor and I bought a, a, a rental and I've decided, deluded myself that I want to be a landlord. Uh, but this uh, particular home I've taken over to be a landlord before I rent it out, it's going to need some repairs. And I would call you guys in uh, for holes in the wall, basically. Is that exactly. okay? Well, we advertise in uh, the three newspapers and in a couple of specialty magazines for uh, people that were landlords. So we directed our uh, efforts to the multi-unit industry. So some of my clients, uh, one of my clients was the 10th richest man in the world, had two or 3,000 apartments, and we had a part of that action and took care of those. And most of my clients were mom and pop uh, landlords who owned a couple of houses or maybe a fourplex or something. So I had customers I'd see once a year and some that I'd see every month, depending on how many units they had and, and what kind of repairs needed to be done. And we were a very niche operation because we took the small jobs where other people might think they were uh, uh, not lucrative, we made it so that we could do many uh, small jobs every day and uh, make a nice living off of uh, several small jobs rather than investing a lot of time and money into a big project 
And uh, at the end of the day, if you uh, don't get paid on a big project, it really hurts. You lose your uh, your money. Uh, our situation was if you didn't get paid, you lost an hour of labor. Basically, the materials were negligible. So it was a very specialized industry. And uh, we were probably the only people at that time doing it and doing it well. So instead of going a mile wide and being a literal jack of all trades, you guys decided to go a mile deep and specialize and market exactly to what your specialty was. What precipitated that mind change right there? Well, we started out doing room additions, lathing and plastering outside of the uh, exterior walls on room additions. And that's a lot of hard work. And uh, my dad was 35 when I was born. So he was a middle-aged and older gentleman while we were uh, marching to my time taking over the business. And uh, on those big jobs, we would work for contractors uh, who didn't have enough capital uh, to carry the uh, expense of paying the people on the jobs. So you ran the risk of investing your money into the product or into the materials and your time and then not getting paid at the end of the job. So doing a smaller job and not being involved with uh, a general contractor puts you in direct contact with the owner and they know what you've done. They see your work. They know you're completed. If they're happy, they generally pay you. So that was a much higher uh, incidence of uh, good results for the customer and for us taking out that middleman and uh, going straight to the customer. Wow. Let's let's say that you're starting out. Let's stay on that tack right now because I'm fascinated. And I think, you know, guys that are, again, uh, I think off air, we said, you know, I, I'm 30 years old and I want to make this my life's business to put food on my family's table to the day I retire and eventually retire in Huntington Beach. I'm breaking my back every day. I'm sweating and I'm toiling. Um, I'm doing this now in 2023. Can that same concept be adapted today in the trades where you've cut oh, out? Absolutely. The, tell me, tell me what you would do if you're, you're going to start out right now, 2023 with the knowledge that you've got right now, tell me about what that guy can do that, that can glean off your, your wisdom on that. Well, you have to do a self-evaluation of what your skills are and pick, your best skill and obviously the most important skill is communications with your customer because you have to convince them that you're trustworthy and capable and luckily at 28 i was old enough to look like i knew what i was doing and a lot of those customers already knew me but pick your best skill and uh, put on your big boy pants and uh, start an ad campaign and of course uh, now you use the internet to some degree and uh, advertise in especially magazines or newspapers. And uh, you, you want to be doing something that you can project your daily costs and set your income to adjust to those costs and your needed living expenses, what your time is worth and what you need to keep a roof over your head. And if you can get those numbers to line up in such a way that you provide a service that uh, people need, you can't help but being successful. Uh, I had an answering machine. I had a pager. And of course, when uh, the phone uh, became mobile phones, I had a cell phone. But normally in my day, I uh, would come home to uh, 18 or 20 calls on my answering machine. In the evening, I would play those through, make all my calls, do my paperwork. I never saw a TV show all the way through in all the years that I worked because people called me at all hours of the night. Once I got home, my office was in my home. 
and it lowered my overhead by working out of my home. So these are the important things. Keep your overhead low, uh, have a skill set, and then promote yourself. You have to be able to get people out there to know that you're available and that you do quality work at whatever it is you're going to decide to do. At what point uh, you took over the business at 28, at what age about near abouts did you actually get out of being the plasterer, being the uh, the laborer and, and, and put on your white collar in, in this business never. or did you ever never did? Never. I ran a two man operation. I did all the work myself and had a helper and I did all the labor. I uh, did all the phone calls. Uh, I had a guy with me to mix the mud and clean up and it was just the two of us. And that's another issue, you know, keep your costs down. And, uh, I'm 71 years old. I play tennis every day. I play handball. Uh, this type of work keeps you fit. So I benefited from being out there and working in the field and not sitting behind the desk somewhere answering the telephone all day. Hmm. If you had to do it over again, let's go back and we're starting in 2023. Would you still do it with you and another guy and crew and keeping it down that way? Or would you, do you think you could expand by being in the office solely? Well, my father did that. And his uh, realization was that at the end of the year, you got 17 guys working for you. You make a little more money than they do in most cases. And you take risks and and you uh, take all the heat. So from his experience, he didn't think it was worth it. And uh, I learned that from him. And again, we were in the restaurant business. We had eight or 10 employees all the time. And they're stealing from you time or money or product. Uh, when you're on the job site with a one guy crew and your customer calls you and they're missing a piece of furniture or something's been damaged, you were there. You know what happened. And you can solve those issues much easier than if you weren't there and have to go and run your guys through the third degree to find out what happened on the job site. So being there yourself eliminates those questions. So you you know if you bumped into a piece of furniture, you know if you dropped something on the carpet, uh, you're you're right there at the at the scene of the crime, so to speak. Mm. Wow, what a great perspective! I, I I know people think, I guess there's two one or two schools to be in or one or two camps. You know, expand and have seventeen people under you, or yeah, or or take your tact. You know, low overhead, and all you're really doing is answering to yourself and the guy sitting right next to you. So that's uh, what a great perspective. You know, uh, of all these years, RC, uh, what's the best advice to hit to the you know that you ever received that got you to this point where you feel like, hey. You know, I'm sitting here in Huntington Beach. I've given my wife what she needs. I've fulfilled, and I'm still fulfilled by, you know, uh, the sports you're involved in, the lifestyle you lead. What's the best advice that you ever received to get to this point, man? Well, if you keep your promises, answer your phone, and call your customers back, you can't help but be a success because most people don't do that. I would have people call me. And I would talk to them the, the first time on the phone. They say, you know, I called five people. You're the only person that called me back. Every one of those phone calls I made was worth $150 to me back then. And I could do six jobs, seven jobs a day. So, you know, I'm making eight or $900 a day, less whatever my overhead was, simply by answering the phone and keeping your promises. It makes your life so much simpler. You don't have to be afraid to go to the supermarket and run into one of your customers who's mad at you for not showing up. 
or for doing a bad job. Let's let's reverse the table here. Back uh, all these years from eight years old and up, what's the worst advice that you ever received? That uh, there were greener pastures in other work environments. You know, put on a suit and a tie and go out and make some money. All of my friends graduated from university with degrees in any number of things. I made more money than any of them on a regular basis. Uh, and not only made it, but you have to have a plan if you're self-employed on, you have to create a retirement plan for yourself. And I did that through buying real estate. And it's not easy to plan for your retirement, but it has to be done if you want to be able to travel and live in a nice place, eat once in a while. Part of the business model is creating wealth that will take care of you when you're retired and old. And if you're lucky, you get old and get to retire and there's nothing worse than being old and being broke. So don't work your life away and end up old and broke. Wow. Any last thing that you, I'm going to let you have the last word, brother. Um, yes. Say what you want to say. You got the floor and then we'll say goodbye. You don't do this for the money. You do it for the work. You do your work. You do it well. The money can't help but come. But don't do it for the money. Do it to serve people and serve them well. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe for more episodes like this. For more information on Construction Pals podcast and Blue Tape, please visit bluetape.com.